Welcome to Epistemology with Robert. I think this is something like the fifth uh, video. I've been very excited about this episode uh, because I think this is really going to be the core of my epistemology. Uh, I think if you, you get this video, then you're going to really understand how I look at things and how I make decisions about what seems reasonable or not. So I'm not going to do a, a recap, really, uh, except to say that uh, in the intro videos, it's really just building up a basic epistemology that probably all of us agree on. And uh, so here, so we've decided there's an external world, that there's this, all this data out there that we can't know perfectly, but it's there. And so here's this next step of, okay, how do we start to deal with that data and start to decide what's true or not? Uh, this is going to be slightly biographical because I think that will illustrate how I came to kind of the way I look at these sort of things. So I've always been the type that tried to do everything as logical as possible, always tried to find the perfect system for things. Uh, literally, not too long ago, my aunt commented about uh, my sisters and I would make Christmas cookies with her and I was I'm the youngest and I was like six years old but she said I was the one that was the most like precise cutting trying to get the dough exactly perfectly and it was all just very logical to me because uh, if the dough isn't perfect then it could be better and why not make it better because better is better like duh come on so uh, I've always thought that way just come on guys like why not do things perfectly or as close to perfect as possible? Um, and that gets you uh, a certain distance, but then it quickly becomes very impractical. And not only impractical, not, not only is there just not enough time to get everything perfect, but you also realize that uh, there's no way to know what the, the right measure of perfect is is either. So that, that's one issue, but there is really a deeper issue that caused me to really shift my thinking in this, and that's I started making these bigger life decisions in college and uh, around that age, and uh, some of them I, as always, was trying to be as logical as possible, and looking back at these decisions, some of them, I, I realized that on a gut level, I didn't feel good about the decision. Um, and these are all very kind of neutral decisions, uh, like the sort of thing of like what apartment to live in or what college to go to, that sort of thing. Uh, and in a couple of these decisions, I realized that I was being overly logical about it, where I was just trying to map out what made sense in it. And then when I came to a conclusion, I was like, all right, I guess I got to go with that conclusion, even though my gut was like, I don't, just something fell off. And so that really rocked my world because it was like, what's going on here? What am I doing wrong? And that's when I started to understand what was going on. And when I started uh, maybe to care so much about epistemology, I mean, I've always been into this sort of stuff, but it made me particularly about like decision making. I spent many, many hours thinking about decision-making. And as I started to unravel my thinking and what went wrong in those decisions, I realized there's a couple of mistakes being made. The first is 
that any sort of logical representation of a decision, and by the way, I know I'm talking about decision making, but this will apply to what knowing what is true in epistemology soon enough. So hold out just for a second. So I, I realized what, whatever logical system I came up with to make a decision, there's no way it could capture all the data there is for a complex life decision. And I'm just going to make this concrete by saying, let's say you're trying to buy a house and you make a pro, pro and con list. I'm not saying it's wrong to make a pro and con list, but it's crucial to realize that a pro and con list can never capture all the data and parameters around buying a house. Because not only is the money part of buying a house important and uh, just logistics, but just like how you feel about the house. And there's just a little, there's just so many variables. Even the, the tangible variables, you're probably never going to capture in a pro and con list. So the first mistake I was making was assuming that when I came up with like some sort of system for making a decision, that that, that was it. I, I made the best system I could make. Now I make that decision. But that's wrong because that was assuming the system captured it all. Uh, the second thing was realizing, and this is really key, it was realizing that that gut level feeling, that that, that decision maker in us of our gut is the most advanced decision making machine in the universe, barring aliens existing. If aliens don't exist, uh, and I'm excluding God in this example too, but your gut feeling is the most advanced decision-making machine in the universe. And let me justify that real quick, uh, because of course we know your gut can lead you wrong. My point is though, our gut is is really is 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 the part of us that has been trained over all the years of our lives, and is the only thing capable of dealing with an intense, crazy amount of complex data. Any logical system we come up with can't handle that sort of data, but our, our intuition can, because that is, uh, that is how our brains work. That is how we navigate life. 99% of the time we're going through life, we're not working with formulas and decisions. We're working with intuition that has been trained over 30 years, in my case, 30 plus years, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, it's part part of me uh, recognizing this was uh, studying uh, machine learning and AI because this is literally exactly what you do with AI is uh, a, a um, spam detector for email. You can never figure out enough rules like uh, written out rules to detect spam in an email. You can never just write out as many rules like if it includes this word, if it looks like this. You could never do that and and it would, or, or whatever you did to do that, what, however long, how, however many rules you put into it, it would never be as good as a machine learning algorithm that didn't have any explicit rules, but instead learned in this kind of fuzzy, intuitive way what looked like spam. And so it was this huge revelation to realize that I was trying to use all this logic over here and 
and it's a great tool. Don't get me wrong. It's, uh, it's a very useful tool when applied correctly, but I had the most advanced decision-making machine already inside me, and I was ignoring it, in a sense. Um, so that that is when I, that was a, a revolution for me. Um, wait, revelation? Revolution? I mean, it was a revolution in my life, I think. Whatever. Um, so the way I like to say we should make decisions is uh, we should make decisions with an informed gut. So I think our gut should make decisions, but we should inform it. And let's go back to the pro and con list for buying a house. I think this could be a good uh, example of it, that you make this pro and con list, which is great. It's a tool. I'm not against that. But then uh, you do the calculation and house A wins out over house B. But for some reason, you just feel better about house B. And let's say you you trust your gut, like I'm suggesting. Uh, well, what I'm suggesting is in the end, you step back and you take it all in and you make a judgment call, which is your gut. But it's with all the data. You've taken all the pro-con list, all the data. And so you make this gut decision. And let's say you decide you, that feeling is strong enough and you trust yourself enough knowing yourself and how you deal with decisions uh, you're, that you're not being crazy that there's something there and you're like I this is not the pro con list didn't come out so extreme for house A that it overrides this gut feeling I'm gonna go with house B and then you move into house B and let's say a month later you realize that house B had way more natural light and you didn't even realize that that was important to you but your gut did because when you're walking around the house you just felt better in that house, and you didn't know why. You couldn't articulate it, uh, but that was your gut feeling. And that's why I say it's such a indispensable tool, our gut, our intuition, that judgment call, because it is the only thing capable within us to make that complex decision. Uh, so, so basically, to take that example, in the past, what I did was I went with a pro and con list, and all of a sudden, I was unhappy, and it was only later that I realized the natural light thing, for instance, and and, and that's how I kind of started to come to this conclusion. So I think the pro and con list is also analogous to looking at the trees when talking about the forest versus the trees, and I think it's important. I think it's just a back and forth process. You uh, you first are looking at the forest, so you're looking at the different houses from kind of a zoomed out view and then you look at the details the mortgage mortgages the uh, locations the layout all that sort of stuff and then you zoom out again it's just back and forth zoom out zoom in zoom out zoom in but i would say in the end it's a zoom out decision because that's the only way to bring it all together and make it a judgment call so now i want to go back to 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 show how this is related to um, epistemology. So basically, let's now let's bring this to knowing if something is true. I think a good example is trying to figure out if a friend is angry with you. So this this is when you're good friends and you're hanging out, and a couple of uh, let's say one or two things are said that are just a little bit off for their personality a little bit negative towards you 
and you're kind of like, that's kind of weird. Maybe it's not enough to trigger that feeling that something's up, but then like maybe the third or fourth thing they say, all of a sudden your, your gut, your intuition says they're upset at me or something's wrong. Now that, that is epistemology because you're trying to decide what's true, what they are feeling. Uh, so that is how something like the, you know, we started out talking about decision making uh, can move into being epistemology. Because once epistemology, once the, the thing you're trying to judge becomes complex enough, it, it sort of is a decision to a degree, a gut level decision, I would say. Uh, but my point is there's no formula to knowing if your friend is angry. There's no... Uh, you don't have a keyword list of what they could say, and you're like, okay, they, they're angry, angry with me, they, you know, according to this calculation. The, the only way to know that is a gut-level decision, just the same thing as a spam email with machine learning. So, uh, and, and this is so the, the first key thing that I realized. So there's probably two principles to this epistemology. The first one is we have the most advanced decision-making device inside of us already and we need to recognize it and use it. The second is when we use an external system to decide something, uh, epistemo epistemologically or otherwise, when we use that system, we're using it based on intuitive judgments anyway. In other words, we can't escape intuitive judgments. So when you're making that pro-con list, yeah, it's this rational list, this system, but there's all these judgment calls happening there too. All these gut level decisions of like this and this. And so it, it's an illusion to think if we find a system that that will save us. And in fact, I would argue that a big part of being human, uh, a big one of our biggest temptations is we're constantly searching for a system that we can kind of export our brain into to save us from making the decision ourselves. And I would say making the decision ourselves is using our, in the end, stepping back and using a gut level concluding decision. So, and that's what I used to do. I used to want to want to avoid responsibility for decisions by finding a system to make it for me. Uh, but even if the system is internally coherent and imperfect, let's say, logically perfect, everything, the way you add, you the way you plug things into that system is based on judgment calls. You're, you can't escape that judgment call. So my point is to accept it, to see the truth. And, and that's a huge principle for me for epistemology and everything in life is try to individually see things as close as possible to how they really are. And a key here was to realize that these systems are can never capture all the data and that ultimately have all these underlying judgment calls built in as well. So when you think you aren't making a judgment call, when you think you're using some sort of system, then you're essentially making a bad judgment call. Uh, so instead we need to realize that there's all these judgment calls and be willing to step back and own that and make a decision. Uh, so all right, let me go back to my notes. Obviously, this is a little bit, this is a lot more complex video, and I'm gonna have to break down some of this in future videos. But I wanted to to get this uh, to cover as much as I could because it's so key. So, okay, I, I going back to the moon landing. 
example from the first video, people who deny the moon landing, as someone might argue that case and say, give you these very rational step-by-step -step arguments about why the moon landing was faked. And if you hear it for the first time and you're sitting there listening, you might think if you just, if you exported your brain and just gave it over to quote unquote logic, you might say, well, I guess I have to deny the moon landing. This person just convinced me, like I got to follow the logic where it leads. But I would argue while you're saying that you have this gut level feeling that there's something more there. There's got to be more a reason that that moon, that, that uh, it, the moon landing was real. And so it's so important to realize, even when you can't articulate it, that that we need to trust our gut. And what I would argue is we need to bring the logic and our intuition together. That's when you know you're making a good decision. So with the moon landing, uh, your, your gut is telling you there's more to this. Like this person's logic is sounding right, but there's more to this. I'm not going to just jump in right now. And later on, you might be able to articulate that logic. And like I would say, one of the big reasons I believe, believe the moon landing is real is because I don't see how the government could sustain a conspiracy like that. I think it, it would leak. Um, and also, there's too many different ways we have data that uh, that make it seem like we've been to space. There's it's coming from too many different angles. Uh, over too long of time from too many people, it just starts to feel like a, a square peg in a round hole that is fake. And um, I realize that phrase really sums up the intuitive judgments I'm talking about. That square peg in a round hole is probably, is I think, way more valuable than any logical system we could come up with. Because once again, a logical system is not our brain. It's external to it, and we have to plug things into it. And every step of that has a, the potential to to have a flaw in it. So that square peg in a round hole is like our most valuable tool for knowing what's true. And um, I wrote this down uh, that I think one of the greatest errors that people make in both decision making and epistemology is to let a formula override their intuition. And I think this one of the greatest errors we make in life is is from this. And I think morals is a good example of this, that uh, even with like the Nazis and other movements like that, uh, you can tell they've let an ideology override their intuition. And they didn't stop and let their intuition say, I need to bring these together first before I act. And instead, they let this coherent logical system override and it leads to disaster. And I would say the same thing is going on with uh, a lot of the conspiracy stuff, um, too. That you, you, you find this logical system that you, you like and that makes a lot of sense when you're in it, but you, and you let it override your gut, where your gut is saying, wait. Um, so one thing, uh, one thing I wanted to address that I don't think I did yet is that you you do have to calibrate that intuition and ultimately it's a judgment call about how good your intuition is in this area uh, whatever area you're dealing with so let's say you're someone who um, 
you're about to you're about to get married or you're about to uh, sign a lease uh, or uh, uh, buy a house and you get you start to feel really uneasy about it you might know from your past that you get cold feet easily that that is a vice of yours that uh, you uh, yeah you get cold feet so I don't think you abandon intuition because if you abandon intuition you would say you would just always ignore cold feet but that is going to lead to disaster because all of a sudden you're you're going to be going into a bunch of bad situations probably, uh, and you're you're kind of fracturing yourself. You're saying I can't trust myself. Um, instead, we need to you just recalibrate a little bit and you say, okay, this paranoia, this anxiety I'm feeling right now, is at the same level as it has been in other decisions that were actually right. Uh, so this seems like it's at that threshold where it's okay. Uh, but it might it might be higher than that. And then you say, okay, I'm really not feeling good about this. So the point there is simply, even when our intuition is a little out of whack, we don't abandon it. We adjust. Because once again, we can't escape using our intuition in that judgment call. We can't escape it. So we should, uh, the, the best epistemology, the best decision making is to use it as clearly as we can um, with as clear a view of what is going on in our head, in our heart, in our gut about it, all the body parts. Um, let me see if there's anything else. This, this is this has been a hard video because it's it's okay, just more abstract, more conceptual, and it's a little bit harder to articulate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I really do think it's key and I, I'm sold on this. This has changed my life for decision-making and also my epistemology. I mean, I think, um, uh, I, I don't want to get into the faith stuff yet. And if there's a God or not, like how you use this for that, I want to say that for the end, kind of like a case study, but, uh, I'll just say that using this square peg in a round hole, intuition, putting that as the first class way of making a decision, ultimately, an informed gut, to go back to that, uh, that has led me to question, uh, or I'll just say this, uh, it leads me to look at some parts of the Bible that seem very strange and odd, and take that feeling of oddness and strangeness very seriously. And I think a bad epistemology is to to come up with this logic about how the Bible works and how inspiration works and to say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to turn a blind eye to everything because I've already pre-decided this formula and I'm exporting my brain to this formula when I think the better epistemology is to, to rely on our intuition instead, uh, an informed intuition, a calibrated intuition, which uh, leads me to say, what is going on in some parts of these, uh, part, in some of these passages in the Bible, and uh, facing that head on. And I think also atheists screw this up as well to to pick on them too, uh, because I think they get in uh, their own track of thinking, and they can lose that sensitivity to the square peg in a round hole 
um, in their beliefs. Uh, so I'm going to go into that a little bit more. One quick shout out since I started the video with it. Um, this book, uh, Gödel Escherbach. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing Gödel wrong, but this is possibly the most fascinating book I've ever read, and it really influenced me about theories of knowledge and meaning and even epistemology. In fact, there's one little uh, vignette in here about how we grasp the fundamentals of logic intuitively, that you either see it or you don't. And that was part of this whole revolution for me, actually, uh, because all of a sudden you realize even at bottom is intuition, not, we're, we're not computers, we're not machines. Um, so this covered a lot. I hope it didn't uh, seem too, uh, I can't think of the word right now, uh, too all over the place, I guess. Uh, I would love to hear some feedback on this because, like I said, this is the core of my epistemology. And I, I'm going to go in some other directions in the, in the next videos, but I will also be touching on a lot of this as well. So it will uh, elaborate some. Uh, but please let me know what you think. Let me know if this makes sense to you or if this seems totally foreign. Uh, I'm very cur curious to hear what people think. Uh, but I'll also just say on a decision-making level, uh, not epistemology, just decision-making, this has been one of the key changes of my life and made uh, me feel 100. I, I have almost never felt bad about a decision since changing these things. And actually, that, that was one thing I forgot to mention is even when I make a decision using this technique of just zooming in on the trees, back in the forest, trees, forest, gut level decision, even when I make a decision that way and it ends up feeling like a mistake to some degree, I still feel okay about it because it felt like I did the best I could and that it was me making the decision instead of what it was before, which was me trying to export the decision into some system to make it for me. So even then, even when the decision goes wrong, it was still the best decision. It still feels, I feel, I feel the best about that decision that I could, than I could have, I think. So anyway, thank you for staying with me. This is obviously way longer than my other videos, but it was important. And uh, let me know what you think.